3: Australian bars,
2: titty discs,
3: and that's what to be known as from now on. Like I'm gonna go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. The worst. <titty> <laughs> get better than that.
2: Comic
0: books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another Gotara Cheese Dip Tastic episode of Fanholes Comics. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am not alone. I am joined by two, count them, two of my fellow fan fanholes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight.
2: Hey, it's Mike. Cheese dip. Yeah.
3: And this is Strikeforce Justin.
0: All right, yeah, so we're calling this, this episode's going to be subtitled Total Request Vanover, because our good buddy, John Vanover, I, how, how did this start, Justin? Like, like John asked us like, hey, if we are had you guys ever guys ever
3: gonna review Gru, and I was like, Yeah, well, I don't know. We never read it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither, neither Justin and myself have ever read Gru, and I, I don't know. Let, let's check because I don't, I don't even know what the status with Mike is. Mike, have you ever read Gru before? I know of Gru. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we we all know of Gru, but yeah. have you ever read in the comics before this? no no so so none of us have read grew and and that was one of the things he asked about and then it kind of spiraled into we we just kept asking like about comics and and he he kind of gave us some so we're actually covering three first issues tonight of comics that none of us i'm presuming have ever read before i'm going to start with i guess in order of like I guess chrono- chronological order, so I'm gonna start with ElfQuest because I guess originally that was printed as a black and white issue in 1978 in Fantasy Quarterly number one. But I had us all read just for for ease of of reading, and and because it's not a coloring book, I had us read the the Marvel Epic version because it's colored and and looks nice and all that good stuff. So ElfQuest, and then like we said, the aforementioned Gru. And then the the final thing that that we settled on that neither of us, none of us have read before tonight was Strike Force Moratori, which is a Marvel comic book. So yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna check all those out. And and basically this is a big shout out to John Vanover over on TV and film toys and action figure blues podcasts. And he he's been making a lot of YouTube videos lately of like toy reviews and stuff. So check out his channel if you can. And I guess what we'll do is we'll kick it off. I'm trying to do some some Justin style synopses tonight. Like let, let me know how I do with this. But uh uh, yeah, so we're going to we're going to start off with Elfquest number 1. Like I said, the the version that we're reading tonight is from Marvel. It's from the Epic Imprint and even though this was, you know, reprinted from Fantasy Quarterly from 1978, it actually has a cover date of August 1985 and the on-sale date was May 14th, 1985. The cover price of this was 75 cents, 32 pages. The editor was Archie Goodwin and the plotter Richard Pini, I think is how you say it, and the writer, artist, letterer was Wendy Pini, and the story is titled fire, and flight. Red Lance is captured by the savage human tribe who inhabit the Holt Forest with the Wolf Rider tribe of elves and underground trolls. These humans are worshippers of Gotara who demand sacrifice. Before the elf can be sacrificed by the children of Gotara, Skywise and Cutter rescue him. Cutter stabs one of the humans in the neck while freeing Red Lance and admonishes the tribal human shaman. In a fury, the children of Gotara set fires to the entire forest forcing the wolf riders to flee to the caverns of the trolls cutter and his warriors convince the troll picknose to bring them before the shiftless mighty king of the trolls Greymung. and that is my justin style short and sweet synopsis of Elfquest issue number one so w- what'd you think of this guys
2: i i was surprised at how much i really enjoyed this like i'm not a I'm not a huge fantasy guy, but like, you know, I'll 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 get into it. And I don't know, like, I maybe because it was, you know, it it had an origin, like, or whatever, like the like it started way at the beginning, and like, you know, it gave you some backstory. It kind of it kind of reminded me of like Lord of the Rings, like at least like you know the movies where it like kind of said, you know, it, there's that whole like preamble. In the Fellowship of the Ring, where it's like, like here's the deal with the ring, like here's the deal with Sauron, like here's all the, you know, the the ring and the, the elves and the the dwarves and the humans and the you know Mount Doom and Sauron and the ring and the ring and the ring and I, here we go, like here's the here's the story, like
3: I, I kind of had that same thought. I was like, it's like Lord of the Rings, but if everyone had like Transformer names, that's what it seems like to me. Because it's like, oh, it's Cutter, <laughs> we got to save Red Lance. I'm like, they don't have like normal names like you know corpoflux or what you would call it or all that stuff <laughs>
0: Yeah, I do see all the parallels. Like, I was thinking of, like, a lot of fantasy films, like, beyond, like, Lord of the Rings. I mean, the, the fact that they have their their little, what do they call them, like, wolf friends? Like, like that reminded me a little bit of Game of Thrones. And, you know, the, the fact that they're all elves, but they're kind of like tiny elves. Like, yeah, there's the Lord of the Rings type elves. But I, it also made me think of, like, the Gelflings from Dark Crystal. You know, like, that they kind of, you know, jump around and they're kind of, you know, action oriented and all that kind of stuff, or even something like Willow, you know, like, so I was, I was thinking of all that kind of stuff. I think when I was, when I was reading the issue, just some back matter or, or, or reference or context, like, so like, I I guess I've sort of mentioned this, but like the original printings of this were in black and white. So, so we kind of like, you know, when we did Akira, like the Epic version colored Akira, and same with this. I think this is the first time, this Marvel Epic imprint version, I think this is the first time it was ever colored. So that that's one thing. And then the, the other thing I found interesting was, because when I was putting together the, the short and sweet synopsis, which I kind of tweaked and, and, and altered from like an ElfQuest wiki online... Like, it actually covers the entire first issue. And I guess what I mean by that is when Marvel printed this, it it reprints part of the issue from the original number one. And the rest of the issue of the original number one, if that makes sense, you know, the, the 78 issue or, you know, the, the subsequent reprints that were in black and white, there's more story after that. And it seems like actually what Marvel did, if, if I'm understanding correctly, is it, it it's almost like they inserted extra interstitial pages so that it, it sort of was, you know, not just a black and white magazine type thing, but that it actually read like a, you know, a 22 page comic or something. So it was like it, it that like that that kind of. Splash of the the king of the trolls at the end. Like I don't think that was in the original first printing. I guess if that makes sense. It, it like, did like seem they're...
2: like an arbitrary place to leave the first issue off on.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like it, it, it seems like they they sort of because because if if I I'm trying to remember the numbering right, but I think. I think the the epic series goes for like 30 something issues and I think the original run was probably like 20 something or whatever so I I think there's a lot of kind of extra pages added and they kind of I guess for lack of a better word you know maybe they kind of decompress it just a little bit you know
3: to make it fit a comic format rather than I guess like a magazine format. You know, this has been on my radar since like high school because I had a bunch of friends who were like heavily into D and D and playing Magic the Gathering, and they had all read Lord of the Rings well before the movies had ever came out or even been discussed, and they were like into this comic, but I just never, you know, sat down and read it or gave it a chance. I was all it was always you know on my list. I was like, I'll read that one day, and yeah, I. I liked it and I did think it had kind of like a weird ending to the first issue. I actually read the second issue because I was like, well, that's a weird place to end it. Like, well, where is this going? So I actually sat down and read issue two and I was like, oh, okay. So, like, I guess, I guess that's a testament to like how, how into it I was. You know, if, if I wasn't into it, I would just not care. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like, the, the, the stuff I was going to mention was it's interesting because th- this is, is w- probably one of the earliest you know, I guess historically, like, uh, an independently owned and created comic property. And it's also kind of contemporary with Dave Sims' Cerebus, too. So, like, I think they both kind of were in production or coming up with the concepts for those, like, right around the same time, you know. And 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 then the other thing that I found interesting about this is, it it seems like this this has been published like every which where right like because you've got I I think I think you have like the the original black and white magazine and then and then eventually it got titled ElfQuest with the second issue and then I think that was published by independent company and then you know Marvel picks it up here with like the Epic imprint and then I saw it, it there there are versions of this and sequels of this that were printed by Dark Horse There are like collections of this original material that was reprinted and published by dc comics so like i feel like this this series probably touched a lot of or or at least was was housed by a lot of different comic companies and stuff like that the art itself i i enjoyed the art like you, you know what it kind of reminded me of i don't know I, I i don't know who's familiar with this or not i think justin will be but it kind of reminded me of like the pirates of Darkwater. you remember uh-huh. that old Hanna Barbera yeah. series like, that's kind of what it had a flavor, or at least that's what it, you yeah. know, reminded me of, you know? I And, can see and, that. and I, I thought it was, yeah, I thought I thought it was, a, I, I enjoyed the art style. I, I, I think I enjoyed the art style so much that when I just started doing a little bit of research and seeing like, oh, I wonder what these sequel series are about, or who, who worked on ElfQuest after the original creators, and I would see some of other people's interpretations of the characters, and kind of went, oh, that doesn't feel right, you know, like, already, like, where it's like, unless, I guess, you know, Wendy Peeney's doing the, the art, it doesn't feel like, you know, real Elf Quest. I don't know if, if anybody who's a long-time fan gets into that kind of jag, but it, it seems like that's something that, you know, th- that they definitely gave it its own kind of... Identity, you know, her, her style and everything. And then, you know, the, the other thing that I noticed about it was it's fantasy and there's, there's lots of violence and death. But what I noticed about it was it's not, it's not gory, you know? I mean, he, you know, Cutter kills a, uh, one of these children of Gotara that's got his buddy, you know, captured, right? But it's not like when he stabs his neck, it's like a, I don't know, HBO spawn thing where there's like, you know, or or a or a ninja scroll thing where there's like, you know, gallons of blood, you know, a kill bill thing where there's, you know, constant spray and all this other kind of craziness. It's just, well, he killed that guy and that's that and, and they kinda of go about their <laughs> business. You know, it, it almost it almost kinda of reminded me of like you know the, the way people would get shot on old westerns. You know, it's not like they were bleeding gallons of blood. It's like they got shot, they went oh, and they fell are over, and that was. kind are of Are you ahead. saying
2: that Cutter should be voiced by Keith David? He'd be like, you know, get up, get out of my <laughs> fucking alley. <laughs> he's
0: like, he's like, get out of the Holt Forest. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. the The thing that was new to me is, and I don't, I don't know, maybe. Maybe Justin's more well-read on certain fantasy tropes when it comes to elves, but the the whole elf telepathy thing is kind of new to me. Like, that moment where, like, everything's, like, on fire and they're about to be attacked and all that stuff, and he he does, like, the the mental, you know, Aquaman, you know, to, like, all the elves, and he actually, like, talks to the wolf, and the wolf, like, sort of talks back to him, you know? Like, that was... That was definitely something new on me.
3: Um I'm trying to think of examples of this. I know I've seen it before somewhere else.
0: Cause I'm not I'm not very familiar with fantasy as is, you know, like I, I always remember people would say You know, like, uh, you know, some people that knew me, you know, knew I loved Star Wars or whatever it was, right? But, and and I I think there was the general assumption, oh, you're excited about those Lord of the Ring movies. And I, you know, it was like, yeah, I'll go watch those Lord of the Ring movies. But I think they thought I knew more about it since I knew so much about everything else. And and that's something that I'm kind of, you know, probably uh, fleetingly familiar with, you
3: know? Didn't, um... Uh, oh, what's her name in The Fellowship of the Rings? Uh, oh, Arwen? No, uh, the one, you know, they go to the elves living in the forest and they give them all their gifts. Oh, Galadriel? Yeah, doesn't she talk to oh. Gandalf telepathically? Like, I think in the movie it's kind of played off as maybe it's like a, a narration, but I think...
0: I, see. I think it, but but it's supposed to be like she's reaching out to him
2: with her mind. Yeah,
3: thing. I mean it it's been a long time since I read Fellowship of the Rings.
2: Maybe book, but... I kind of associate like Vulcans with elves mm. sort of like like you know from Star Trek so I, I guess like I just kind of said oh yeah, you know elves have some kind of like mental powers or something like so I, I don't know if it like seemed off to me but
0: I, I kind of associate elves with Legolas surfing on a shield, so.
2: <laughs>
0: so telepathy is like the last thing on my mind, but no, I, I trust you guys way more than me, like, like, so you, that, that's kind of why I asked, you know, because I was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not familiar with it, but, but again, th- this might be like people's first exposure to something like that, right? Like if they were, if they were Philistines like me, right, and they weren't touching books, you know, like, like, and they didn't read Lord of the Rings and that kind of stuff, like, this, this might have been the first exposure people had to like a a fantasy and elves like like you you know what struck me though is and and mike mentioned this like that that it does give a really I'd say, a a good introductory backstory to the setup, like how the elves land in man's world and how man is a savage and he basically, you know, starts slaughtering the elves and the elves' powers don't work as well as they did from wherever the fuck they came from. So you kind of have that setup of like, oh, well, that's why the elves were pretty much hunted down. And to me, that kind of reminded me of like, you know, the Gelflings getting hunted down by the Skeksis, but like, you know, and even their little kind of shiny elf castle, you know, kind of reminds me of like the dark crystal, you know, the crystal castle or whatever, right? But what I was thinking of was like, and, and again, speaks to what Justin was saying about being interested in 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 reading the second issue and being engaged with the story and everything. You know, like it, it made me think things like, well, you know, what, why did these ancient elves come to man's world? Like, were they running from someone? Were they, you know, did they just kind of were they on, you know, holiday, you know, and they just stopped in and then it's like, whoops, we got killed, you know, like, like what was the deal with that? Like, were the, were the trolls and the wolf friends and all these other elements of this world, like, were they always there? Did, were they, were they all in menageries? Like, you know, the Fortress of Solitude Zoo and they just all broke loose and then all of a sudden all the wolf friends are in the forests and, you know, the, the troll workers they had and the, I don't know, in the, the basement, like they all went off and started their own tribes or, or were there trolls and wolves already in man's world in this, in this case, you know?
3: I have a question for you. I don't know if you came across the answer in your research, but didn't they try to make like an animated film at what time and it fell apart? Like, do you remember this? I,
0: you know, I bet you they did, but I don't know too much, like, because I feel like maybe like, you know how when we used to read like comic scene and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and they had like things in production I mean I bet you like cuz cuz I you know it's funny like I've never read Elfquest and and as we said you know we we've not read Gru, but it's not that. I mean, I I would imagine all of us have heard of ElfQuest and heard of Gru. Like mm-hmm. you said, Justin, yeah. you said it was on your list, and I I knew the name. You know, I knew I knew. I I even think I I knew the Peenies. Like like I I recognize. You know what? I, well, like, if so, if nothing so else, it must have been always.
3: If nothing yeah. else, you saw ads for it in other comics, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, at least ads, or or like I'm saying, you know, you, you read things like. You know, comic scene or the comics journal or, or whatever it was, right? That you were checking out, and and you you must have stumbled across like, hey, we're promoting like, you know, the latest Marvel Epic imprint book or or whatever it was, right? Like, so yeah.
3: But yeah, I like I said, I I enjoyed it so much. I wanted to read the second issue. So, you know, this round to you, then over. You did good. I like this.
0: Yeah. 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 I I I enjoyed reading it. I. I think I, I you know, not, not not, claiming I will read all the issues of it, but I, I think this is one of the, the issues I read where I was like, hey, I could see myself, you know, reading more of this and, and, and trying to, to get into it. So for sure, yeah, this is, you know, definitely an eye-opener, something I enjoy yeah, reading, but, and I, I think like, that's true of all of us. Yeah, right? as,
2: yeah, as I said, I'm not a big, like, fan of fantasy, but I was immediately, like, sucked into this, and yeah, like, maybe I will, I, I will continue reading on at some point. The Justice League wouldn't help him, so Batman formed a new team. These people of power are all looking for something, be it their past, or a purpose, or simply somewhere to fit in. These are the heroes for a troubled age. They are the Outsiders.
0: We are the
1: Outsiders. covering Mike W. Barr's 1983 series from the very beginning as they face villains no other team can, like Agent Orange, the Force of July, and the Nuclear Family. (laughs) Puns. This is The Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Look for us with The Huntress podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or listen at our website, thehunterspodcast.com and follow us on twitter at bat outcasters we are the outcasters because to live outside the law you must be honest we are the
0: cool all right well then let's go on to the the second aforementioned book which we're reading tonight and this comes from pacific comics is the publisher of this one this is grew the wanderer issue number one and it had a cover price of a dollar the title of the story is called friends and enemies the writer is mark Avenier. the artist is sergio Aragones. the letterer is stan sakai of usagi yojimbo fame And the colorist is Gordon Kent. And here we go. Gru is pursued by soldiers determined to kill him. While he takes a moment to reflect, we learn how Gru left his guard post many years ago with his old pal, Toronto, for some bruise, body, women, and cheese dip. In a bar of ill repute, Gru accidentally slips that the High Priest of Zumu is also in attendance. Could it be... The High Priest wants Gru dead as payment for his excommunication? Or perhaps it is the Princess Carnia. She too hates Gru for napping on the job with his old pal, Taranto, and failing to warn her, Prince Tarisios, of the ambush which led to his death. To find out who ordered his execution, Gru takes on a job from the local villagers to remove a band of soldiers camped outside of town. When Gru runs off to fight them, he discovers his old pal Taranto is leading the army that is after his head. And that's pretty much the short and sweet synopsis for Gru the Wanderer issue number one. I'm going to kick it off to Justin. Like, I know you're a Conan fan, and I kind of know this at least started out as kind of a... Maybe a parody, a mockery of Conan. Like, do you is this something you appreciate? Is this something you think is poser Conan bullshit? <laughs> like, what what do you think about? I this? like
3: this. You know, as you said, I you know I think we've all been aware of the existence of Grove, but I just never sat down and read any of it. And you know, like last year at Heroes Con, when you and I kind of both yeah you know came to this conclusion because we were like, man, like Sergio Aragones has a huge line. And, yeah, you and I yeah, You huge. and I both admitted, like, oh wait, neither one of us has read any Grew.
0: I, I think I think that was probably we were we were I don't know what the right word is. We weren't ignorant of who he was or what Grew was, but but we were kind of like blissfully free of the, the line, the the the, the fan. Compunction to wait in this gigantic line, like like the Sutherlands were doing, like we'd come in and like say hello to them every yeah. once in a while, like during this line and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it, I mean, definitely like that 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 popularity, I guess, cannot be understated. Like, and I guess you know, like he he worked on Mad Magazine, like he he did a lot of other things before he did this, and th- this is another example of one of these like you know creator owned things, you know that that it was something about. You know, he, he tried to take it to some of the bigger publishers, he says, in the opening. And, and at first they were not interested because, you know, they wanted to own it as work for hire. And he he wasn't having any of that. And then all of a sudden, I mean, eventually this this does go to Marvel. Mm-hmm. and But by then, you know, he, he owns
3: this concept and all the characters. To answer your question, though, like, I usually like Conan parodies, you know. Howard the Duck kind of started off as, uh, you know, a bit of a Conan parody. And I, I always like that stuff. And, you know, I, I've been reading some of those early issues of, you know, dare I mention the name, but Cerebus, because yeah, we might yeah. get canceled because of what the book eventually become. But, um, you know, Cerebus started off also as a Conan parody, and it's you know, it's very different. And it has it has a darker sense of humor than this. Like, this is kind of like, uh Saturday morning cartoon kind of like sense of humor mm. that's making me laugh and then those early like non-serious issues of Cerebus those are kind of like uh, dark and broody what was like a very like black sense of humor I guess but yeah like I I sat down and read this and I I really enjoyed it like it made me laugh several times especially when he's when they are both waiting for the guide it turns out the other guy was waiting so he could kill the guy. Right, de- right, right. And the guru delivers the letter anyway, warning him <laughs> of the attack. I started laughing, man. I was like, "Oh, oh yeah. man,
0: yeah." I mean, you know, it's funny. Like, I'm I'm just gonna go into it, but it's funny that you mentioned getting canceled because you know the one thing that stood out to me was the 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 gag. Like when, when oh, they're the girl who wants the, the, to be raped. Yeah, because it's like they're saying, "Oh, all these these soldiers are going to come and rape and pillage in our town," and then and then <laughs> the get and then of course the the woman who's but ugly Ugly. like uglier than sin right and she has the thought bubble the gag is like when she hears rape she's like yeah and and then and then and then when when they talk about the villagers start decrying like we don't want to be raped we don't want to be pillaged like let's stop rape and pillage and of course the woman shouts out couldn't we just stop the pillaging You know, because clearly she's thirsty for for some soldier action or whatever, right? And so, you know, and and that I found interesting, too, because, again, you could never get away yeah. with a, a joke like that now right like and so you know i don't know i don't know if we've opened the floodgates and now all these people on twitter are gonna demand that uh mark Venier and, and sergio Aragonas get canceled because i don't think they should but you know like the you know there, there's that thought that i had when i was reading it i mean you know i i don't know like it, it's weird this i remember being not only that I knew it, but that it was somehow popular, but I didn't understand. Like, like I mean, it, it, it kind of came from that whole... Like, you know when you're young and stupid and you're like, oh, what's this old art? Like, who's this Steve Ditko and this Jack Kirby guy? Like, this is old, you know? This isn't cool like Todd McFarlane or whatever stupid thoughts you have, like when you're a kid. And I think, I think that fell on this when I was probably first heard of it and you know people all grew and I kind of looked at it went you know it's like that thing like you know trying to read like Fred Hembeck comics you know like 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 it's a certain style of art it's humorous it's funny but I I don't think that was something that I was interested in at like 11 you know and 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 so I guess you know, for me, like I'm, I'm checking this out, and I'm kind of like, oh, you know, like, like the thing that cracked me up was I found out like there, there's actually a Gru like meets Conan thing at Dark Horse, and it's really weird because it's like ah. Conan's drawn like serious, like, like shaded, and you know, like, like Conan <laughs> should be looked, but then when Gru, sh- it's like, it's like there's this weird amalgamation of their universes where some of the people look like. Aragonist style like grew and, and certain characters look like that but then you know over off to the side in the tavern it's like Conan and he's all like you know super serious like shaded and, and and grim looking or whatever and and it's like I think they're both like hired to get the other one or something but they don't know so they start traveling together like so anyway it's kind of weird but I I, I found that kind of interesting too. What did, like, did you have any initial thoughts on this, Mike? Like, had you heard of Gru before? Like, were you, is this something like, what what did you think of it, I guess?
2: Like I said, I know, I knew of Gru. Like, I I don't think I ever had a desire to seek it out. Like, I knew it was like sort of a more lighthearted. Well, you know what? I kind of almost thought it was like, like, Usagi Ojimbo or something where it was like it had a more cartoony style, but it like, you know, was more it did have like sort of a saga and a story like going. But I guess this this felt more like, yeah, like I I, you said, like a Conan parody and like, yeah, like Justin said, like it was really funny. Like I was I was laughing out loud at uh, several things. Like, not least of which, yeah, that one gag where he killed, like, he takes part in that attack and finds out he was supposed to warn the guy of the attack. Like, and he's like, oh, what was the guy's name? Prince Terio? Or, like, uh, oh, yeah. But he was like, oh, like, Tercios or something? Prince Tercios, like, where are you? And he's like, over here. And he's like, like, impaled on something. (laughs) Oh, I have a message for you. Like,
0: but. (laughs) I mean, you know, who knows, like, like, just like Justin said, like, you know, Cerebus even started out as a Conan parody and developed into its own kind of animal, right? Like, so, and I know Gru ran for a really long time, so, I mean, for, for all we know, that also, you know, we can afford that uh, benefit of the doubt to Gru. Like, maybe, maybe eventually there is certain, you know, sagas that take place, kind of like Usagi Ojimbo, you know?
3: Derek,
2: oh, yeah. if, I, if I did enjoy this,
3: Derek, if Rob Liefeld had did a cover for Gru, would eleven year old Derek have been in- interested? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, Can you imagine something yeah. like that? Like Rob Liefeld drawing draw drug. Rob, Rob Liefeld
0: doing Gru? He probably charge you like two grand for it. But we can <laughs> we can find out. You know, we uh, can see what happens. Yeah, you know what I thought of this was like this. This is like like Gru is like like, the Austin Powers to, like, James Bond's Conan or some mm. shit, you know? Like, yeah. like that's kind of what I took <laughs> it as. And, like, and I don't mean that, like, I, I hope this doesn't come off as insulting to anybody who likes the entire, you know, Austin Powers trilogy, for lack of a better term. Like, I, I like the first Austin Powers movie. I think it's funny. Like, it, it worked. It was a good joke. The other two movies, I think, are kind of gross and takes the joke too far. But I guess i I mean that comparison like with all positivity that comes with that first movie, you know it's like it's like it's a it's a fun version of Conan, but also sort of pokes fun at the you know the the more ridiculous aspects of the lore that you're supposed to sort of just accept at face value you know because comics because action movie because you know because pulp fantasy like whatever you want to attribute it to right like and 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 that you know this is just kind of like you know i mean this i i will you know the thing i will say about this is i don't know that i mean and again i i'd be willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because it's it's been worked on for so long there were so many people in that line at Heroes Con. It reminds me... You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me kind of how I felt about the Charlie Adler line. Like, it was like, yeah, I, I like The Walking Dead okay, but I'm not going to wait in line for, like, seven hours to get the guy's, like, signature or something like that, you know? And, and I, I don't have that passion for it, or I don't know enough about it to have that passion for it. So, you know, this issue, like, it was fun. I I don't know... I don't know that I, I would, I don't know that this issue enticed me to seek out more, like, like, so, I mean, that's the only, that's the only drawback I can see in it. It was fun, it was a nice, entertaining distraction, like, if I want to be entertainingly distracted again, and, and, and get a chuckle, like, I, I could possibly revisit it, but I don't know that I don't know that I'm necessarily like, you know how Justin you said, Oh, you read the first issue of ElfQuest and then you you couldn't you you immediately wanted to find out what happened in the next issue. Like I I have no, you know, kind of compunction to to seek out another issue of Guru, I guess. Is that is that different for you guys or
3: I could see myself reading some more. I think I would like have to be in the right mind, mind. Yeah, frame of mind to sit down and like read something humorous. I don't, Sometimes I get in moods and I can't quite focus on what I'm reading or I'm not, I'm not receptive to it, I guess, or I can't focus. I don't know.
0: I, I also think it kind of comes back to those conversations, these age old conversations that, that we have about, you know, binging versus, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the way things are designed. And I, I mean, at least at this point with the limited exposure we have to it, I feel like you could binge read Elfquest, but that maybe grew as something where he's like ah you read it every you know once a week you know you read it once a month you know and, and get a chuckle and and then go on about your business but I, I, I think after, you know I, to me it's like you know how, how, how many you know how many of those can you binge and, and, and go through and, and see a bunch of different Conan gags before you're like alright I gotta I gotta take a break from this for
1: a little while you know Hey everybody Magnus here I do a podcast called "Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. Most of the time I talk about comics, movies, and TV shows in general. But all that stuff gets put on hold every eighth episode of "Trennis Magnus Punches Reality so that I can talk about Smallville. Smallville's my favorite version of Superman apart from the comics themselves. so I use every eighth episode of "Trennis Magnus Punches Reality to subject the show to a borderline pornographic level of analysis. Partly just to shoot the breeze about this awesome show, and partly to show the naysayers just how wrong they are about Smallville. This is Magnus Talks About Smallville, an eighth episode feature of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. And, of course, I talk about Smallville in a way that's unrivaled in detail, unparalleled in epic scope, and unspeakably awesome in its awesomeness. Because I am Magnus. And awesome is how I do everything. So check out Magnus Talks About Smallville for all the Smallville small talk you could ever hope to shake a stick at. Magnus Talks About Smallville every eighth Tuesday only at two true freaks dot com. All
0: right. So wrapping up the the third in the Total Request Vanover Trilogy that we have going on for you tonight is a comic book called Strikeforce Morituri. And this was published by Marvel Comics. The cover date was December 1986. The on-sale date was August 26th, 1986. The cover price was a whopping 75 cents. The story title is though some have named thee so. The writer, shout out to Mike, so here's some more Peter B. Gillis for you. Writer is Peter B. Gillis. The penciler is Brent Eric Anderson. Inker is Scott Williams. And Wills Portacio. And letterer is James R. Novak. Colorist is Christy, not Max, Scheel. And here is a sort of blurb of what the issue is about. The challenge and responsibility of superheroism is explored like never before in this incredible series about normal men and women willing to make the ultimate self-sacrifice to save their world. The Earth of the near future has been invaded by aliens. Only one force is strong enough to confront them, Strikeforce Morituri. They are normal people who volunteer to become superheroes to save the Earth, knowing that the transformation will ultimately kill them. And that is the short and sweet synopsis. I mean, you know, the first issue is an introduction issue, basically. I mean, moratori is Latin for those who are about to die. It's kind of like if, I guess, the Suicide Squad was a bunch of nobodies and they granted them power, sort of, I guess. Uh, You know, we have a point of identification character who's a guy named Harold Everson, He's kind of like a young, you know, leading man-type character. There's a lot of kind of heavy concepts for a book from 1986, you know. They've got... They're, they're sort of cleaning up the the dead. Like, there's all kinds of, you know, horrible stuff that happens. You know, the aliens kind of come in and, you know, not to make light of the, the Gru joke, but it's like, the you know, in this case, the aliens come in and rape and pillage, and you, you see the consequences of that. I mean, I... I imagine this is a book you could get into and 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 read pretty extensively, but I I do kind of get the idea that it's you know it, it can be pretty depressing too at times like because of the what you're dealing with. I imagine you know you go on to you know the the first issue basically you know the the guy's indoctrinated. He he comes to the organization like they're starting to give him powers and stuff. There's some you know, assault on some kind of base, and it turns out all it is is a bunch of chocolate or some stupid shit. So, you know, the captain's mad at them for risking their lives over that, but it it seems like, ultimately, like, these characters are gonna, you know, they're they're basically green new guys, but they're gonna get superpowers, and they're gonna go on to do things, and there's, of course, gonna be tragedy with, with some of the teammates, probably, like, exploding into you know atoms or whatever when they use their powers too much and stuff like that the the only other thing that i found out that i thought was of interest was at some point there is a a sequel miniseries in the 90s called electric undertow and that has art from mark bagley so i know we're all kind of fans of mark bagley from you know spider-man and that kind of thing so that that was something that I took note of, but that's that's kind of what I have on Strike Force Morituri. I was I was also kind of confused because it seems like a lot of people lump this in with the new universe, and I don't I don't know that is it a new universe book? Like I don't think it is. I don't. I don't, know. I don't think so. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I have on that. I mean, I I, I thought it was interesting, uh, kind of heavy. Again, it, probably a, a lot of uh, story and detail. You know, not so much that I felt like synopsizing it blow by blow but you know the, the it, it it seems like it, it definitely was leading somewhere and and again I, I think this is one of the books for me at least with with John's you know total request vanover that I, I could see myself continuing to read this book
3: I thought it was interesting you know just a few minutes ago I mentioned sometimes not being in the right headspace or not being able to focus like I I thought this was really dense there was a lot going on at the beginning yeah, and i wasn't yeah. quite sure i had a grasp on it and eventually i, I kind of like i felt like i had just zoned out and so i just i took a break and i went back and started reading from page one again i liked it i thought it was really interesting it kind of reminded me of like kind of like what you said suicide squad but i was thinking it's like if you combined elements of enders game with suicide squad Oh, uh, okay okay and I don't know. the. I thought of you, Derek, because in the middle, you know, this kid, our main character, he's, like, reading a his own little book about, like, what supposedly happened. Yeah. And yeah. and it kind of goes on for a little while. I was like, oh, man, Derek's going to think of this as, like, Tales of the Black Freighter from Watchmen or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 it's interesting because cause that, that, that was what I was going to mention was you said you had a hard time wrapping your head around it, and there is that divergence of, like you know, here's the real world, you know, with with our lead character, and then here's how he perceives the heroism of what he's about to become mm-hmm. through the pages of a comic book. And then it's like when you switch back and forth between that, you know? I mean, I imagine that's where some of the different art styles come into it, you know? And, and, and so... I mean, it's not, I, I don't think it's poorly done, you know, like, it's, it's pretty obvious yeah. when he's reading a comic book and when he's not, you know, like, like the difference between, I think, Wills Portacio and, and, and Brent Anderson is pretty clear. And then, and then the, you know, the, the, the idea that they ultimately show you like, you know, oh, th- this is, this is the PR thing that we put in the comic books that they all heroically you know, sacrifice themselves and, and this and that and the other thing. And then you see, like, what actually happened is they, they go out into the battle, and and yes, they, they won the fight, but then once the fight was all over with, that's when the dude exploded and took out his buddy. You know, so it's like it's like they're trying to set up, like, look, like, it's not as... I guess picture perfect. It's not as, as cookie cutter as a Hollywood movie where the guy gets the girl and has a kiss and that's the end of it. It's like, it's like he, the guy might save the day, but then he ends up like exploding on him and his girlfriend and it's, it's really tragic, you know? And and that's, that. I, I think that's the reality that these people that are sort of, I guess, training these kids, you know, are, are trying to bring to their attention before that that ever happens or or at least to mentally prepare themselves for the reality that will more than likely come sooner than later you know
2: yeah like you said i i immediately noticed oh i was like oh peter gillis we were just wondering like what else he wrote like so like that that was a nice thing but yeah i, I enjoyed i enjoyed this a lot like i think i feel like it was a nice compliment to both like you know elf quest and grew like those are more like fantasy and this is more like science fiction so you know we we got a smattering of everything like tonight but i did enjoy this i think i it was another like like elf quest like they laid everything out Like, you know, really clearly, like I was sucked in immediately, like the main character, like I I followed him along and I, I empathized with him. And yeah, like I liked it.
3: You know, this is something that always was in hundreds and hundreds of dollar or 50 cent boxes. And I just, you know, eventually it just became, I don't know fodder like i i eventually it just didn't register it was just something i would automatically skip over so i guess that kind of like goes to show you like you know as vanover is teaching us here sometimes maybe you should stop and you know maybe maybe pay a quarter or 50 cents and check some of this stuff out because this you know this was good and if i had like actually paid 50 cents or a dollar for it i think i would have got my money's worth because i liked it so much yeah
0: it was good i mean i like i said i think I think for me, you know, just speaking for myself, I think of the three books, I, I think I would definitely continue to read ElfQuest, and, and, and uh, I was curious enough to, to look at the first issue of the sequel thing, which probably spoiled some stuff for me, but I, I was curious about it, so I, you know, I was definitely intrigued by both concepts, and, and you know, you, I, I think if, if, you know, John knows me, and, and you guys know me, like, you know, it, it, I, I think I think if anything, I, I'd lean clo- more towards the the science fiction aspect of things than than fantasy as well. So so that that's something that probably speaks to me a little more than ElfQuest per se. Like not not in terms of I I, I almost feel like I was more intrigued by ElfQuest than anything we had on the show tonight. But in terms of just you know a favorite genre and stuff like i think usually with me science fiction trumps fantasy and so that's why i was saying like i I think i would be you know interested in seeing you know kind of where all that goes
2: trekker talk a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter mercy st Clair from the pages of trekker comics by creator writer and artist ron randall I'm Darren
3: and I'm Ruth. We'll be discussing the stories, characters and art in this excellent retro sci-fi adventure series, as well as having side conversations about other areas of fandom.
2: We hope you'll join us as we travel from the dangerous backstreets of New Gallif to the depths of outer space and everywhere in between.
1: Talk is available at Podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher.
2: Find us at trekkertalk.com. All
0: right, well, I guess that's going to wrap things up for tonight. If you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes, you can go on over to fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes there. We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, retweets that we receive. And we can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. And we can be found on Apple Podcasts. So thanks for listening. And thanks to John for for giving us suggestions to, to check out. Because, like, you know... I, I know we had we had dabbled with things about, you know, Justin mentioned, you know, stuff on our list and maybe using podcasting as an excuse to get some of those things off our list. But this this was fun. This was a good sampling. It's it's something fun yeah. to check out. So so thanks to John for suggesting that. And I hope at least at least John enjoys this, if if not anyone else. And until the next time, this is gonna be Derek. Derek WC signing off and giving elf telepathy
2: Good vibes to everybody. Hey, it's Mike Shade and Sweetwater to all.
3: And this is just Strike Strikeforce Atari. <laughs>
2: we got to read
0: uh, Atari Force next. At- <laughs> that, Force Atari Strikeforce Atari. Uh, Strikeforce Moratori meets Atari Force. My next commission. <laughs> It'll cost thousands, Larry. Do it. Greenlight it.
2: We must play the ancient game of Pong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was telling Justin I sort of pulled a Justin for tonight. I I tried to grab like short and sweet like you know, couple sentence synopses for some of these things.
2: Was there a lot of info on these things online, or? Uh,
0: ElfQuest has a wiki. Uh, the Moraturi on the Marvel site. Um, it didn't have a detailed synopsis. It just had like you know one of those little like you know previews blurbs. So that's all I'm really going to use. Um, and then uh, the uh, Gru. Uh, I went to. Uh, I think I went to Comic Vine, and it was pretty fugly so i i sort of you know like i i (laughs) i I grabbed it and then i kind of just structured it and wrote it up my own way but kind of used it up yeah i mean i it wasn't I, i i just used it kind of like as an outline where it was like oh i i see what it's trying to say and it's broken haphazard fucked up modern internet english but i will i will make it shorter and write it so that it Makes sense to me, (laughs) you know, like kind of thing. Yeah.